Science. Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Jesse Case. Andy Wood here. We got it working. Andy's Andy's had tech issues. We're we're starting later than we were planning to. Andy's also not got a microphone. He's sounding remote, but he's 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 in the desert. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. We're all good. And we've got We've got a guest. I know. I know. This is. You've heard me say the sentence before. But this is a guest I've wanted on the show for a long time because another one of the one of the very few comedians who also has proper scientific pedigree uh, and uh, yeah qualifications, knowledge, and also super funny. I, I gave it just the other day, and it was awesome. Please welcome to the podcast, Palavi Ganalan. Hey, Palavi, how are you? Hello. How's it going? Very good. Yeah, so you, um, you, I mean, I knew you had scientific pedigree. I didn't know you also had a weird connection to our podcast in the, or oh. our original first host, but. Yes, I went to Caltech for undergrad and Brooks Whalen uh, was like a lab manager there, I guess, at one point. I think we might have missed each other um, in terms of timing, but I always thought that was cool. I was like, oh, there's someone on SNL who is repping Caltech. That's pretty cool. Normally we're just like, you know, the bad people on Breaking Bad (laughs) (laughs) or the nerdy people on the Big Bang Theory. (laughs) Yeah. Just some kind of vaguely dismissive adjective attached to whatever. Yeah. Also, by the way, just that's the first time I'd ever heard the word manager attached to what Brooks was doing in his science days. That would be like the, the impression he gave was very much that he was a lab hobo. Yeah. Oh. yeah. You know, it just really depends just, on the vibe of the person. You know, it's like it's not in this case, it's not the position that molds you. You kind of mold the position. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine him as like a manager in the Hollywood sense, but working within a lab, just like <laughs> <laughs> just ordering people around, having 20 pagers? I'm just I mean, imagining. I can imagine him with an expense account. That's about as far as it yeah, gets. Yeah, <laughs> they do get expense accounts. They do get to order lab equipment off of, like, Amazon and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's about as far as it goes. But, uh, yeah, he's, uh, science's loss is comedy's gain, in the case of Brooks. And also, let, pardon me, t- talk us through your background, because this is... Because you're also... You still have half a foot in the science world, while also being a great comic. Thank you. Um, I noticed you didn't say great scientist. Okay, okay. You know um, what? I just, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm not qualified to comment. I feel you know like. What? And you shouldn't because I'm not a great scientist. <laughs> um, I went to undergrad at Caltech and then I got a master's at Carnegie Mellon, both in bioengineering and biomedical engineering. And then I went and worked at Thermo Fisher Scientific in the Bay Area in infectious diseases as a research scientist. And then I was sick of walking around with concentrated vials of HIV and like filtering human plasma. So I yeah, decided. You and me both. I know. <laughs> we've, all, we've all had that. Yours is more serial killer vibes, though. Um... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it started as a hobby, and then it, you know, it got out of hand. <laughs> yes. I, I have though. When I when I did infectious disease at Vandy, like I was. Vandy, hello, was... name drop, Vandy. No, I didn't. No, I was. I came. I came back to Nashville for uh, ass cancer treatment stuff, and then I was like, they're here. It wasn't like I wasn't trying to. 
Sorry, I didn't know it was a name drop. I'm sorry. No, no, no it sucks. No, no it's horrible. I'm, I said Caltech like 12 times. It's fine. I was just, <laughs> I was just joking. <laughs> I, I, but no, there was the, in the infectious disease stuff there, there was like um, during COVID, all the HIV. I'm sorry, what's that? <laughs> During, <laughs> during, co- yeah, I'm name dropping. Now I'm going to name drop viruses. Uh, Lensa virus. Um, oh my God. How exclusive. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the HIV vaccine, there's a lot of research there on HIV vaccines. And um, a lot of it was like a lot of the labs share those spaces when the Moderna stuff was doing mm. their thing. So there were, there was many a vial of HIV blood uh, that I'd have to run with. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, it's one of those things you really want to make sure your shoelaces are, are good. Yeah. Yeah. You can't so just... run with scissors, but you can run with HIV <laughs> in the lab. Just mm-hmm. let, let yeah. all the kids know if they study really hard, eventually yeah. they can run with HIV. It's you actually even... really hard to get like you have to, it's, there's like, I don't want to say things, but I thought there was like less than a 2% chance of getting HIV if you're like stuck with a needle of it. But I think it depends on like where you're stuck and like the duration and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like, it's but, pretty but it, hard to get it. It is quite a hard, that, yeah, that, I mean, that's, you know, you know, you know more than I do on account of having done degrees in this whole thing. But my understanding is HIV is partly, I think partly because of how unstable it is as a virus, it's, mm-hmm. it's quite hard to pass on through sort of accidental methods. Correct. But we would do, I don't, I don't uh, know if, if you ever did this at Caltech or um, when you were working in the Bay, but we did, uh, it's like Russian roulette, but centrifuge Russian roulette, where we have vials of a bunch of different blood, pop it in the centrifuge, right? One of them's HIV. We spin it and then you have to take a shot, you know, of the vial. And uh, that was fun. It was like infectious disease. Sort yeah, of, you know. I'm glad you're on a podcast. I've never said that about a man before, uh, but I'm glad <laughs> you're here and not in the lab right now. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we uh, did not do that. But um, yeah, yeah he, was, he was he was working in the new jackass lab. Uh, oh, my God. Johnny reason. Knoxville is your P.I. That would sure. be amazing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so then after, okay, so then I just going back, I, so I, I worked in infectious diseases and then I was sick of that and then I applied for a PhD at, and I got in and I went to USC for a few years and then I quit, got a pity master's out of it and focused on stand-up and writing um, because I started stand-up when I was starting my PhD and it kind of like went like it was unexpected how much I would get into it and then I had a writing job for a couple years and then they kind of like rolled back my hours earlier this year and so then I got um, another job in science but during COVID I had been a volunteer um, making open source medical devices I was co-executive director of this nonprofit making ventilators and respirators um, just like new open source designs to make it more accessible to people in different markets like I think that market is I, I don't think there's much of a market for ventilators these days i feel like that's yeah uh, i haven't heard any news yeah Um, no that's uh that's that's incredible so you mean like 3d printing like so we we 3d printed some of the parts like we had some custom parts but we used um like we designed everything and we 
like we posted it all online. It's Respira Works is the name of the organization. And cool. so we were just like building an open source version of it to make it like low cost and to also like there was that supply chain issue, right? Like there were so many issues with the supply chain during COVID. Um, so we looked to like um, places that made refrigeration uh, supplies and automotive supplies to get some of the parts for the ventilator so that we could avoid some of the more like more costly like medical device company sort yeah. sort of issues and then this year the job that i got that was in science um ended up being an open source medical device <laughs> remote job so i ended up like getting experience in my volunteer position for uh this implantable device that we're working on that's like open source so it's cool i'm like a project admin on it it's pretty chill have a good time get yeah. some science done yeah it, well i'm glad you're, yeah i'm glad you're working on open source I mean, that's that's very uh, ethical and cool of you. Um, I, I kind of just like stumbled into it. I just wanted to like do something during COVID and then sure. it just has continued, which is dope. I think a lot of people are seeing the beauty of it, though. It's kind of let, growing. Let me ask you this, which is like, I, I hope it's not a pivot, but it's um, I think most I think this is not talked about enough, maybe in comedy, not that any of it should ever be talked about because who cares? But like when you're all in on something like you're getting a Ph.D., what was it like for you when you're like, fuck, I think I love this other thing. Also. Yeah, it was very much that. <laughs> like, it's kind of scary, like, right? I'm like, like you're oh, fuck. Like, why do Because if I just loved the thing I had been training for my whole life to do, then I would yeah. have like my brother's life where I'm just like, like succeeding. And well, maybe I wouldn't succeed, but I was I, like, he's so focused and successful and like loves what he does and has trained for and doesn't have like a whole lot of distracting interests. Like he obviously has like other interests or whatever, but like they're not like whole other careers. Like even now I have like four jobs and I'm like, right. maybe if I just fucking focused, but then, <laughs> but then, you know, that's just not me. It's not how I function. It's not what drives me or motivates me. So you kind of just give in. Um, but it was, it was definitely hard. It was like, it was kind of like the biggest like breakup of my life or yeah. like, the biggest sense of grief or loss that I had for something like that. Um, just because I'd been, I like when I was in like seventh grade, I got an, I like found contact information of these people who came and presented at our school, um, from the local biotech center. And I like asked for an internship and I don't even know how I knew what an internship was. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I was just like, Hey, can I come learn stuff? And then they like gave me an internship in like seventh grade. And so like, I love science. I love engineering. And so it was like really hard to like move away from it. Um, Just translating as well for the foreigners, seventh grade, that's like age 12 ish. 12 Shut 15? up, Matt. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. Hey. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like around 12, 12, 13 or something like that. Wow. Yeah. So there, there was a part. There was definitely, there's a love there. There's, is, there is there a world where you. Where you do a Brian May, you know, do like 30 years of show business and then go and finish your PhD? I mean, I don't know anybody who would take me at that point. <laughs> but I just read about this woman who started skydiving when she was 100. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll that's, do that. That's amazing. Like, did she use a parachute or just loose skin? And I wish I hadn't oh, just said that. Oh, no. <laughs> I really, like, I was halfway through the sentence and I was like, okay, it's too late. I can't, like, I've... No. I've already, I've already out the plane. I've just got to I've yeah, got to go Yeah, you jumped out without a parachute on that joke. <laughs> yeah, there's like such a high chance she just dies anyway, like on She's, the way down. 
I think wow. she's she's 104 now, and I think she just like set a world record for like being the oldest person to skydive. Amazing. Hmm. Fair play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's fair. I mean, does she does she know she's skydiving? Like, are her grandchildren? I mean, is this the weirdest elder abuse or like what's? <laughs> She's she she's sentient. She's going up there like I want to do this. I feel like during the orientation of the skydive thing, the people should have recognized if she wasn't. It's like going drunk into a tattoo shop. Like they're supposed sure. to not give you a tattoo, but people still do. Oh, they will. Yeah. They'll totally yeah. give you that tattoo. Yeah. Hmm. Or she's like the world's oldest kind of DB Cooper type deal. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got shit to lose. Yeah. Uh. By the way, yeah, fly, just today, just five out. Yeah, breaking news. Uh, AP, yeah, Chicago. She's from Chicago. Uh, oh yeah. It says Chicago. The headline in AP News is Chicago woman 104 skydives from plane, aiming for record as the world's oldest skydiver. Like, what would make her not have that record now? Is that just like another plane in the air right now with a 105 year old? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, they started writing the article as she jumped and they didn't know if she made it and they had to go straight to press <laughs> yeah, without just, finding out. That's that's how much of yeah, that's how much of a fight there is to beat other news outlets right now. How much of a rush. Next she's gonna she's about to turn hundred and five in December and next plan is a hot air balloon ride. Wow. Well, that seems much much more chill to me. Yeah, than, what a yeah. downgrade. It I does. think like when you're hundred and five <laughs> I think, like, when you're 104, <laughs> when you're 104, 105, like, most of the things you do are a world record. Like, if she just, like, got, ate a Big Mac, it's probably a world record. <laughs> like, I don't know why she has to skydive. This is, like, when people first started discovering things. Like, at the beginning of humanity, it's like, okay, you have, like, everything to discover. Like, discovering shit now is way harder. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you, could get, you could get islands named after yourself, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, also, by the way, here the article at the bottom links to a 90, 90 year old surfer as well. Who's also I love this. We, we need more like old people doing shit. Hell yeah to the Golden Bachelor. You know what I mean? Let's get them out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Have, I've not seen any of it yet, but I've heard it's delightful. I really want to watch it. But also, I want like a Golden ba- Bachelor that's like not just white people. You know what I mean? Like, I need. Is, is I it need- just white people? I, I don't know. I assume it's like the all the the stills that I saw were like a lot of white people. Um, but and that's like, isn't that where like golden comes from, too, is like the hair and stuff. I don't know. Um, mm. Or maybe like the golden years. I don't know. But uh, I thought the, the brutal inherited wealth of colonization. Is oh, yeah, probably <laughs> that golden. Um, OK, I, in that case, my people will not be participating. <laughs> you will not be. Yeah. Now, is this one of those things like this 90 year old surfer? Is this is this a fun thing or is this like um, just an indication of how bad the economy is now? Where, like this like climate ha- change is so real that the 90 year old has to surf. The 90 year old has to surf. It's like uh, it's like <laughs> yeah. being like a Walmart greeter. Oh, my yeah, God. The, you know, where it's, the only way, it's like yeah, kind it's of the only sad. way out to get from like their house to the shed. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just... it's like capitalism, but they're trying to make it a cute story. No, exactly. Yeah, it's the feel-good story at the end of the news, like the half-an-hour news about like this the eighty-year-old Uber driver, but you're just bummed out the whole time. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are so many stories like that. Are they like um, like child raises a million dollars to pay for lunches other children can't afford? Right, right. Yeah. Don't you feel well, good? Well, yeah, yeah, I remember one that went round 
a couple of years ago as well that was just like um, a, a worker was ill and had used up all of his sick days. So it was like his colleagues clubbed together yeah. and donated all of their sick days so that he could have enough sick days to get cancer treatment. And it was like oh. pitched as like a nice story. And it's like, no, this is something is horribly wrong in society and at this company that that is a necessity <laughs> rather than. Um, right. Yeah. Ch- Child soldier saves his platoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so happy for him. Del- yeah, what a delight. What a delightful story. Hmm. <laughs> By the way, I wanted to uh, circle back for just a moment, if we could get... Yes, to, yes, let's do a circle. The- sorry, the train's going by. I'm sorry, I, I had to mute oh, out for okay. a minute. Oh, okay, yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, I was just curious about the open source ventilator thing. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, because I guess, um, as a layperson, I guess I only think of open source as pertaining to software, so that, you know, it can be democratized, but when it's hardware, it's like, if Ford suddenly said... The F-150 is open source. I'd be like, well, okay, thank you. I don't know what I'm going to do so with that. So there's like a, a lot of different like things around this that people are trying to figure out, especially with like software plus hardware systems um, and like what the liability is. And there's like different licensing that you can have <laughs> and different approaches that people take in order to like lessen the liability. But um, basically you can put the designs up um, and then pe- other people can like manufacture it. So we that's why we had like a parts list and we had um, a list of or like a method or blueprints for like the 3D printed parts. Um, There was like a valve that we designed. We I didn't design it, but like there was a valve that was designed for this project that is now used in a commercially available device, um, even though the rest of the device isn't ours. Um, So it's just like, you know, putting the ideas out there for the physical parts. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of the 3D printing angle of it. That sort of has democratized parts of manufacturing. Because short short of that, I was like, well, yeah, how do you actually, you've got the software and the plans, but then how does the... Well, I mean, you can also, even with the other stuff, like the printed circuit board, you can put like the designs out for that. You can put the assembly or like how the enclosure works, like every part of, every part of the physical part uh, aspect of it um, can be like planned like you can just show all the paperwork and the documentation for that to show people how to build it on their own and like where to order things and like how to put it together that's amazing yeah and and again like where you say people that is also presumably people with already some level of uh, biotech expertise rather than just like you don't need yeah, do diy like... ventilators matt <laughs> i do i do like one or one or two a week you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's nice to sleep on one for, you know, every so often. You get, you do get a, like, like, it's such a... They have, like, a Lego version of it. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing a I'm doing a, uh, an Ikea defibrillator right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. You're going to need one if you ever get lost in that store. Yay! There it is. Both <laughs> worlds coming together. 2000s humor back at it again. <laughs> <laughs> it don't You're taste welcome. like yours. Yeah. Where do they come up with these product names, you guys? <laughs> I can't pronounce Sweden. They can, Sweden, apparently. I oh, solved okay. the mystery. Oh, oh okay. It's a country of Scandinavia. They, Re- the, the words rescinded. look like that. I yeah. withdraw my question. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take my answer off- offline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hey, we we got a, a biotech uh, story that was sent in by listener and patron patron Emily Brown. Uh, this is a new Thank you, Emily. Story about human kidneys that have been partially grown in pigs for the for the first time. 
No, we've been doing a lot of stories about the other way around. We've been doing a lot of stories about these pig hearts going into people. But it's, yeah, but so. it's the growth of them. It, it's not You're not growing pig hearts in people. You're just right. transplanting them. Right. right, just popping them in. But now we're, uh, we've gone the other way. I, I assume to pay back the pigs in some way. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. like a, a religious sacrifice, which we always do in science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the, I think, I've, I mean, this story is fun anyway, but also in Emily's email, they teased a, what she called a disturbing bit about six or seven paragraphs down. So watch out for that fun bit. It's coming up. But uh, kidneys that are more than 50% human have started to grow in pigs for the first time after scientists created embryos made of human and pig cells and implanted them into sows for up to four weeks. So this is conducted by Miguel Esteban at Guangzhou Institutes of Biomedicine and Health in China and colleagues. Mm. And it brings us a step closer to being able to grow human kidneys in other animals to address the shortage of organ donors. You just know rich people are going to be like, can we grow extra kidneys in other, in poor people? Can we do that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they're just going to take it to like the worst extreme. Yeah, I don't want that pigginess. Like, yeah, that that, that billionaire who's using his son as like a blood bank. That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. Picture keeps going viral and I'm like, get this out of here. No one wants to see this. Yeah. And also, just whenever the pictures come up, he's like, look at us, look at me and my son, we look exactly the same. And it's like, no, you look like father and son, and you look rich. And he like looks you, tired. You... Give him his blood back. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you, ha- you have good skin quality and stuff, which generally rich people have because they can afford nice products and a fairly, you know, easy life and staying out the sun, all that kind of thing. But um, well, he can, he can, like, you, do look, you do look 25 years older than your son. Like, yeah, and he can't, he can't take a selfie because he no longer has a reflection. So, like, it all has to be... It's also like, who is this for? Like, why do you want to live forever? Just, you're rich, just die. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, no one wants this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could One person you could probably have a more pleasurable remaining forty years on this earth if you if you didn't do this every day, if you didn't have this hundred and ten pills at every morning regimen. Um, so yeah. it says a, over a hundred thousand people in the U.S. alone are currently waiting for a kidney transplant, with thirteen dying a day. So to get around the need for donors, it may be possible to grow human kidneys in other species like pigs that have similar organ sizes and physiology to us. Esteban and his colleagues explored this idea by creating pig embryos that couldn't form kidneys of their own by disabling two key genes responsible for the development of the organs. Then they introduced human stem cells into the pig embryos, hoping they would transform into kidney cells in the pigs and assemble into the relevant organs. The human cells were genetically engineered to help them integrate into the foreign environment by increasing the expression of two pro-survival genes. Uh, here, Here comes the fun bit. So, uh, in two sentences time, the researchers implanted over 1,800 of these human hi- uh, hybrid human-pig embryos in the reproductive tracts of 13 sows. They only allowed the embryos to grow for 25 to 28 days before removing and analyzing them because of ethical considerations, including the possibility of producing pigs with human-like brains if the human cells spread beyond the kidneys. Okay. The Kill Simpsons, me! The Simpsons <laughs> predict everything. That is Pig Boy from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. Or are we living in the prequel to the Muppets, Pigs in Space? Ooh, I like is that. that. Yeah. Man. Yeah, which of the... That is, of the I feel like that realities. is, like, written in a way to just, like, scare people about science stuff. But also I think some people should be scared about science stuff. 
yeah. This um, I'm sure I'm sure it's all fine, but. So only five of the embryos successfully implanted, but they were able to develop early kidney structures, including miniature tubules that were made of 50 to 65% human cells and the rest pig cells. Mm. Um, so uh, Jan, sorry, June Wu at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center said, this is a very important study. Uh, Wu and his team reported the creation of the first human pig embryos in 2017, but were only able to incorporate a very small proportion of human cells which didn't assemble into organs. Um, Esteban and his colleagues tracked where the human cells went in their pig embryos by tagging them with a red fluorescent marker. They found very few became incorporated in the early central nervous system or other organs, which Wu says is reassuring. The, the, the red fluorescent marker really does feel like sci-fi stuff now because you track it and then you start to scan the people and then you... No, like, like the, the, the red fluorescent bit fluorescent? spreading to the brain. Fluorescence uh, microscopy has been like it's an old like thing. It's been used forever, so that's like the least surprising part of this to me. Because <laughs> like fluorescence microscopy is used to track like a lot of things, and um, there are a lot of like really cool like science art photography competitions, and those pictures always win because they're all like cool and like all these different colors, and like there are like neurons and stuff that are dyed and all oh, these nice. pretty beautiful yeah. So like the fluorescence microscopy stuff makes sense because it's a really good and easy way to track things. Um, but I also want to say what I like, I feel like you're such a 90s kid if you remember stem cells being like such a bad thing because yeah. like the Christian groups behind the smearing of Michael J. Fox's campaign <laughs> is like, oh, that's right. Yeah. He's done so much good work. Like there were like recent discoveries made um, in therapeutics for Parkinson's that were only made possible by the money he raised. And he like literally like was an advocate and like played a, I think played a good role in like being the face of it and being criticized for being the face of it. Um, but then like letting the scientists do their thing with the money that he raised, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's very cool. And also he and is, a cruel, I mean, such like, a cruel is... irony. He got Parkinson's after that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's so weird. He'd been yeah, like he'd been raising that money for years. Did you know like Lou Gehrig actually had Lou Gehrig's disease after? <laughs> yeah, he caught a disease like that named after it, It's so fucked it's like, up. Why does pa- God why does is such name a that? joke. Uh, I'm trying to think though of a, I, there are very few more likable like 90s 80s and 90s movie stars than michael j fox like there's no oh my god i had such a crush on him i loved him so much i mean just if you're of that generation you just everyone is just you know i mean back to the future alone like just if that back to the future and nothing else you'd go like oh he's the one of the greatest human beings alive uh, he probably influenced my like go ahead influenced my sneaker choices more than anyone else in life oh like wow. i like i still need a good like mid-high strap like like still and you know i think uh i think mjf is responsible not mj for your sneaker choices just mjf <laughs> yeah you can't say MJ. you gotta you gotta get the fox in there people the yeah. j is for jordan i'm pretty yeah, sure yeah that's what yeah. i'm saying yeah. But- <laughs> oh right yeah no no i don't i don't do i don't do air jordan i do like, like who's that i know i do ground fox you do teen like, wolf you don't mm-hmm. do air jordan <laughs> exactly exactly i always watched him in as alex p keaton and then also in spin city like those i don't know why like he was always on tv for me uh, but he was so good anyway yeah, shout out to him does. for parkinson's research yeah, yeah. That, I mean that's again how how ridiculously likable he is because his character was you know as the sort of he was the conservative 
like the Republican brother, and he was meant to be like the kind of annoying brother character. But everybody and loved him. And then was just so incredibly likable. They're like, oh, okay, we need to slightly lessen this part of it and just you know make him one of the main guys because. Yeah, who could hate that? Wait, hate you think that. he wasn't? I think the entire pitch of the show is what if hippie Berkeley parents gave birth to a Wall Street 80s conservative kid? Like, that that's the crux of the show. Yeah, yeah but he's not meant to be, like, the kind of, like, he's meant to be the target, like, the, the negative part of it. So he's not meant to be the sort of... Or just the foil so there's something, like, there's a contrast there. I don't but know. He was yeah, t- but he was so likable, he made, like, that type of character likable, you know? Right. I mean, like, also, though, it is the 80s, so, like, you know, Wall Street, Republican Gordon Gekko, is, like... Right. Yeah, that is that is like I guess you know I, I slightly Alex I slightly P. backtrack on that. That's like yeah, Alex B. Keaton on, on Quaaludes. <laughs> yeah, they've this has come up before on the show, but like Quaaludes have completely disappeared as a drug, right? I don't I don't know if they even exist. It like they're you only well, hear about black them in stories of horrendous things yeah. happening in the seventies, and you know, uh, but everyone in the seventies apparently was on Quaaludes, and now they just do not exist. Well, well, there's this black market with, like, trade between abalone poachers and manufacturers of quaaludes in, in Asia. But yeah. Yes, correct. And and well, now, we... There's a Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia episode. I thought we talked about it, where dudes are poaching yeah, we've, for we've abalone to, to send over to somebody who's manufacturing quaaludes, which they then smoke. Like it's this closed it was, circuit uh, market. It was discontinued by the pharmaceutical a division of Pfizer in 1985 because of its abuse and stuff apparently it was too cool yeah, yeah because it was, it was too, cool. too fucking chill dude <laughs> yeah. well I was just uh, I just stocks are going all the way up <laughs> I, I just got back from a little uh, vacation yesterday and let me tell you something uh, poppers are going strong Oh yeah, seventies seventies uh, drugs. Um, Wait, that's queer culture. Did, excuse me. Where did you <laughs> go, Jesse? I went to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was in. Um, I was there for a wedding party, and I was um, doing poppers. No, I wasn't. I wasn't doing poppers, but everywhere just had poppers. Like, I mean, we were admittedly in a very like, like it, we were in an awesome part. Like, it was awesome. It, it was it gay. Made, you can say it was gay. <laughs> uh yeah i'm sure it was gay friendly sure there were there were poppers everywhere i mean my whole goal this is uh, you know as as like a total like alpha right tough dude you know sure sure my, that's my, the vibe my, i got yeah yeah my whole goal uh for the whole trip right Asheville, then charlotte was to check out all the the different cat cafes mm-hmm. uh, to go pet some cats hang out get a coffee so i did Asheville and then charlotte and even there poppers which i don't know why you would need for the cat cafe, but it was it was in that type of neighborhood where there would be a cat cafe, and uh, it was great. And everywhere at Poppers, that's my point. So Wait, I are had, you saying I, it was it was for sale in places you wouldn't expect, or you saw its use in places you wouldn't expect? For sale, I didn't. I, how do you know if it's being used? I don't know. I, I like I can't imagine it being for sale anywhere besides like head shops and like or what kind of places are selling Poppers? I don't know. But just like all cat sorts, cafes. of all yeah, all sorts of places, coffee what? shops. There's just Poppers everywhere, man. What? Yeah. Oh my god, I've never seen this, or maybe I haven't been looking hard enough. I don't know. Yeah, it was anyway. It was fun. It was funny. Like it was. It was like it was great. <laughs> Just if you need some poppers, <laughs> or know? if you need to clean your VHS t- uh, machine's head or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but my my point is, I hadn't I hadn't checked in on poppers in a while. That's my point, and I was like, oh, still going strong. Hey, Sick. um, if you're listening to this, make sure to check in on your poppers, okay? It's- <laughs> Critical. Well, no, you know how sometimes like you 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 do a little check in. Like, have you guys checked back in on ASMR? You ever check that out? Like recently? Oh, is, that's still kind of going strong, right? 
Yeah, but it's gone totally off the rails. Like it's. Oh it, no. Yeah, it it used to be like, um, you know, when it was first first popping off on YouTube, it was like, uh, it it was always the POV, like you're checking into a hotel, and you're mm-hmm. just like, well, this this is pleasant, you know. Uh, but they've run out of plots. They've run out of role playing things. So now it's like, I'm I'm your elven lawyer. Uh, I'm your elven public defender, and you've been charged with. It's like too complicated to get sleepy during. I don't think that's what I thought people were doing it to get off, like especially with like a lot of the female content creators with ASMR. Hmm. It's never it's never uh, never chubbed me up. I don't um, think it's a sexual thing, but I don't think it's a sleep thing either. I think it's something uh, maybe orthogonal to both of those or maybe not. But like between those two, I've certainly watched them to fall asleep. 100%. 100%. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, falling asleep is sexual to me, 100%. So. Oh, well, there's also, yeah, sure, sure. Okay, fine. Fine. Uh, yeah, by that. Matt has just, thrown in a tweet for us here. I'm letting it load. Okay. Yeah, from, from I remembered it from, from over a decade ago from a friend of the show and very good friend of mine, Nick Doody, uh, who you know, <laughs> regular listeners will remember as my best man, the tweeting, um, over a decade ago, uh, you know how they sell amyl nitrate, that's poppers, as air freshener. I'm in the cab of the only man who buys it for that. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Just... Yeah, I, I, love, uh, I love dog whistle products. Love them. Yeah. You know, those little, uh, those little glass yeah, tubes. Bath salts, just anything that's, you know. no like those this is for getting high and fucking but it has to be legally sold for entertainment purposes only as an air freshener or as a like well like um, any any truck stop just like everything up by the register is a dog whistle you're like well this is a weird spot for a glass tube with a tiny rose in it interesting (laughs) hey what's a glass tube with a tiny rose in it for doing your uh, for doing your crack for crack crack coking and meth and such oh that kind of glass tube gotcha if you want to do your your crack coking yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I forgot. I, I don't. Yeah, I've, I'm really trying not to smoke, you know, it anymore. I'm just trying to, you know. I did. I did. Muffins. I did once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did exactly once, and it was accidental. And it. I mean, Back it's. Cocaine? Yeah, I was 15. Uh, true story. True story. I was 15. It was my 15th birthday, and I smoked a shitload of crack. Um, and Tells then you, you and then you know what? I love men in STEM. Okay, I think it's <laughs> that's what this podcast is all about. No, how do you think he got into college after that? Okay, no, he let right, me. He was juked up writing essays. No, <laughs> no, what happened? What? Okay, so my birthday. Hear me out, right? I was very briefly doing a bit of. a I was experimenting with marijuana, right? My birthday is uh, uh, this is my freshman year of high school. I was experimenting with marijuana and then it started giving me panic attacks. So it's very short lived. However, my birthday is uh, 420. My birthday is, is uh, April 20th. Also Hitler's birthday and Columbine and everything horrible, but also 420. Um, so there was no weed, man, because all the weed was was gone because uh, f- of it on account of it. Oh, being f- you left it too late to get weed, like like trying to get flowers on Valentine's Day or whatever, like everything's been picked over. Yeah, trying to get also- flower on weed day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this is also in deep red Tennessee. Like, you know, you had to just find some. I was I was like a freshman in high school, so you had to find some sort of, you know, someone in their fourth year, like some cool looking guy. I don't know. Uh, there's, there's no weed anywhere. So I had decided 
because like all 15 year old boys, I had read some like Hunter S. Thompson or whatever. Yeah, you get it. Um, very silly. And I had decided let's do opium. We'll try opium. Yeah. I was like, that sounds cool. You know, it sounds, I thought you, were gonna you and I were such smoke. similar 15 year olds. <laughs> yeah. So we got some opium from this guy named Patrick, who's a senior in high school. Right. Uh, he's like, I've got opium. And he gave us. Shout opium. out, Patrick. You sound cool. Yeah. Pat. <laughs> yeah. What a what a cool guy who ended up exactly how you think. And we <laughs> and we went to my buddy Doug's treehouse. Uh, you cannot smoke opium in a treehouse, my guy. No, we did, no, we didn't. Those are two different narratives. You're, we, <laughs> you can't do crack cocaine in a treehouse. We did because it turned out to be crack, so which is no. fine. So we found it. It just I was just like up all the night. Sandlot like lot on drugs. Are you yeah. kidding me right now? <laughs> I was like, this doesn't this doesn't feel like I've read it should feel. And Stranger Things, where the thing is needles. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then we, uh, on Monday, we found out we had just, you know, smoked like a solid, like two grams of crack. And oh I like, by the way, the, your story, you, you know, I was 15 years old and I smoked crack, but hey, it's not what it sounds like. I was actually just trying to smoke opium. Opium. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not That's great. Crazy. None of it is good. All right. It is not good. It was a short lived, weird time i don't but i don't know when relax guys i thought i was in a 19th century beijing tea house (laughs) (laughs) no i just i mean i don't know when the story would be like oh that that makes sense you know this isn't a tea house i i I thought it's a tree house not a tea house (laughs) and wait jesse is it is it a crack tree house or a tree crack house it's a tree crack house (laughs) tree crack yeah it's a tree crack house Um, way it's home you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know I don't know how we got into that. But anyway, now ever now you all know uh, that that your boy Jesse smoked a got got absolutely zonked on crack when he was fifteen one time. And that's something you have to know about me now. I wanna make it very clear to the FBI listening that he is not my boy, okay? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know this man. I would not recognize him in a lineup. <laughs> <laughs> oh man alright I'm trying out a bunch of new phrases today and they're not working <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying like I never say your boy like I'm your, your boy Je-. like I never say that shit it's your boy Jesse from behind bars right <laughs> I mean you did call him my guy to be fair they're gonna That's misconstrue true. all of this so I, good, good luck extricating yourself from this when you get pulled aside in the lab yeah the I, I, I think if 22 years ago I smoked crack in a treehouse it's okay to talk about um, I think it's fine Anyway, what's the, what's the statute of limitations? I don't know. I don't know. This podcast needs a lawyer. Okay. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. But that's, uh, you know, just just picture that for fun. So anyway. <sighs> yeah, I don't think anybody needs to take any advice from this podcast. It's not that kind of podcast. It's just here's what has happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Here's a memory. And and speaking of memories, how's oh. that for a link? Nice. Uh, There's a story Justin Broad sent in that's on CNN.com, uh, but about a discovery about the memory of box jellyfish, about learning a memory, and what we can glean from that. Caribbean box jellyfish, animals that appear to float through life aimlessly and don't have a central brain, still have the ability to learn rapidly and retain information, according to new research. Is this that secret ingredient found in jellyfish they're always talking about? <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. So you know what I mean? Those uh, doesn't want you to know about those Prevagen. No, I'm serious. Those Prevagen commercials. Do you know what oh, I'm talking Prevagen about? Prevagen supplement is a hoax. FTC says. Oh, 100 percent. Okay, but they're I always what, what this was. Yeah, they're they're always on like uh like on MSNBC. You know, it's always commercials for old people, right? So it's like catheter commercials and then Prevagen. Uh, which is to improve. I, was, I saw that at the, just the. I saw that for the first time the other day. So this is a pill that is supposed to improve your memory. Improve your memory as you're getting older. And it advertises and because of a. It advertises because of a mysterious ingredient found in jellyfish. Does it you really? You know what will um, improve your memory as you get older? Jumping so, out of a plane every once in a while. I feel like mm-hmm. it'll traumatize you into remembering <laughs> yeah. that. Happened. When I was 15, I accidentally did a shitload of Prevagen. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was... Um, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say accidentally jumped out of a plane a lot. No, no. I took a bunch of Prevagen. Yeah. Thought I was taking beta blockers. Took a bunch of Prevagen um, in a treehouse. Um <laughs> Pallavi, were you were you serious though when you said it's been fully debunked? Because uh, I I don't know anything about this other than this ad that I saw I the other day. I just saw some in in 2017 it was, but okay. I just I just saw that as like a headline. The Federal Trade Commission. It's from NBC News. The Federal Trade Commission and New York State Attorney General have charged the marketers of the dietary supplement Prevagen with making false and unsubstantiated claims that the product improves memory, provides cognitive benefits, and is clinically shown to work. The FTC said in a statement. So. I don't know. Okay. Looks like people were poaching jellyfish for this shit. <laughs> wow. I mean that. Yeah, that's not. It's wait, not surprising. Wait, what was the? So what was the article that you were reading? Yes. The- so yeah, getting getting back to that. That so they still they these jellyfish, despite not having a central brain, have the ability to learn rapidly and retain information. Which okay, big pens. deal. So did I. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got like multiple degrees to prove it. And yeah, and I'm a dumb I, bitch. <laughs> and you're not you're not even constrained by the currents of the ocean you can work against them so true uh the the finding upends this long-held idea that organisms can't engage in associative learning without a central nervous system according to a study published in current biology this study led by anders garm who's an associate professor of marine biology at the university of copenhagen is part of ongoing research on jellyfish behavior uh, which is out of the University of Physiology at Kiel University. Uh, he said, oh, first author Jan, uh, Jan uh, Belecki says, we've been looking into visual behavior and all kinds of experiments and learning is just a natural progression. So after years of working with the, the Caribbean box jellyfish, the team was not shocked to find the animals could learn, but they were surprised by how fast they learned. They, they have, okay, these animals have how- 24 eyes, six in each of four sensory centers called uh, ropalia. The gelatinous body of the jellyfish, known as a bell because of its shape, is easily bruised, a potential disadvantage as the creature moves along mangrove roots in the Caribbean. Swimming into a root could cause damage leading to a bacterial infection and eventual death. So, Balaki says, we were absolutely certain that these animals were able to learn because avoiding these roots is a critical learning process for them if they want to survive. How fucking pissed are... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go. What were you going to say? I was going to be like, how pissed are jellyfish that, like, people are like, oh, my God, you're not complete dumbasses. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. They're like, yeah, we avoid predators and problems in our survival. That's how we got here, you assholes. Sorry, my skin's not <laughs> opaque. Like Discrimination, <laughs> you pasty <Yeah>. bitches. <laughs> they're, they're talking to the jellyfish in English, but in a loud voice. Like, you understand the roots <laughs> yeah. to avoid? You know this? You eat you eat your food? 
They're like, you literally pee on our sting marks and you don't even have to do that. So who's a dumbass now, huh? <laughs> so to test the animal's ability to learn, here's what they did. They, they lined the inside of a round tank with gray and white stripes. The gray stripes would appear to the jellyfish's 24 eyes as dark and as a faraway mangrove root does in their natural habitat. Over a period of seven and a half minutes, it's very specific, researchers observed the jellyfish to see whether the animals bumped into the stripes or learned to keep distance. In the first several minutes, they swam fairly close to or bumped into walls, but within five minutes, things changed. The jellyfish received a combination of visual stimulation from the stripes and mechanical stimulation from bumping into the obstacles. And Bielecki says, they learn to get these stimuli concurrently and avoid the obstacles. They increase performance in all the parameters we measured for obstacle avoidance. I then replaced it, the stripes, with a solid gray field. The jellyfish bumped into it again and again because there wasn't the visual cue. So they kept bumping into stuff and not responding. And then finally, they ran a neurophysiological experiment built around how the rophalia give out an electric signal that drives the pulsing motor or swim contractions that jellyfish make to propel themselves through the water. The speed of the pulsing increases dramatically as they move to avoid an obstacle. They they isolated the rophalia by severing them from the bell. Jesus. Oh my god. Mangro- yeah, but the mangrove root standards were moved about around. So now the jellyfish's sight mechanism was still while the lines moved. Could the visual system learn that it should avoid the grey lines? They connected a system that could send a weak electric signal to the visual sensory centers. When the rophalia didn't naturally activate the signal that would swim stimulate swim contractions, the scientists did it for them. Soon the rophalia started sending the signals without any prompting, even for the lighter gray bars that provided far less contrast against the rest of the environment. Okay, you wonder why the aliens haven't made obvious contact, and it's because we're, like, cutting off parts of ocean aliens. Like, there's yeah. no way that aliens would ever <laughs> want to talk to us. I mean, counterpoint, they will be doing this to us when they arrive. Yeah. I, I hope so. If they're the ones who get here, that's how it goes. Do you guys, do you that's guys our think, perception. Do you guys think that they would even consider us the dominant species at all? Like, I, th- I think they'd try to make contact with, like, ants or something, right? Like, Maybe. I mean, come on, they're Jesse. Like, damn, you're pretty big and strong. <laughs> like, ants. you really don't think we're the obvious ones on the planet? If I but, saw but I mean, based on, and based I on saw, what parameters? And I saw, like, a sloth. I'd be like, fuck these humans. There's no way. There's no think- way I'm going to eat Cheetos with these people. I'm hanging out with a sloth, okay? <laughs> sure. But I think they would recognize that, you know, like humans are the ones who've built buildings right. and invented rap rock. Yeah. Sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> we, had, we did invent new metal, and then they would, yeah. they would come down. Um, this, is, this is seal erasure, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Wait, I, Kiss I, from Rose, he's human? What? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh... I didn't know that this was like big news. Like I thought, yes, it's, this is a this is a creature. It's not a plant. This is a creature with self locomotion. Uh, I mean, even single celled organisms that have locomotion will do this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I totally they'll follow. Av- they'll they cl- avoid obstacles. I, right. I, I don't know. But I, don't they like avoid them with like pseudopodia, right? Like the false feet or whatever. I think well, you don't have to like to make do. up words and shit. Like you don't have to come on the podcast and just start making things. Like you know what I'm uh, saying? Like, well, I feel like the jerf of the conversation indicates that I need to. The, okay, well, you're, you know, 
Touche. Touche is a word that was made up, by the way. Fluorescent micro, uh, microscopy. I whipped that one out earlier, and I almost, I've, you know, had a panic attack. We don't need to be talking about... <laughs> You know what? You're right. Who wants to talk about dicks? Huh? No, no one's trying to talk about of dicks them and stuff. No, no one's finally, trying. Finally, finally. Oh, yeah. I thought she didn't what listen about to the podcast. Oh, this is great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this may be a shock to you, but the shape of various animal dicks has been a recurring subject in this podcast at various times. No, I'm. But, uh, and I'm assuming none of you compared yours to them. No, well, I, I, I've been trying to get mine to corkscrew for years, and. Mine uh, won't stop corkscrewing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're not. No, tr- just I'm, I'm just not another way to, uh, that ducks are superior to to me. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to pivot pivot to dicks. I'm just uh, sometimes I'm embarrassed <laughs> at how little we're. Uh, how I think I max out at like at uh, at like three syllables. Like I max out, you know. <laughs> mm, I <laughs> like get just it. the word like, syllable. Yeah, that's the maximum. Syllable yeah, yeah. is my max. I I get sleepy if it's over three. I'm like I can't uh, can't be dealing with this. You know? Your podcast studio is just a bunch of nap pods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, I shouldn't have come on an audio medium. <laughs> what have I done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. You went to look Jesse for opium, but instead you found like four syllable words. <laughs> yeah. He gets overstimulated and then he goes to sleep like a Furby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just, it's just time to go. Peace out. Wait, did you uh, have a Furby? I, I don't know. That's one of the things they did. I never had one. I never had I never one. Did. I did. I, I did we, I did have a Furby. We had one on account of I worked in the toy department of a department store Christmas what? 98. Oh my yeah. god. I literally was imagining you at Christmas before you said Christmas because whenever you say toy department, I yeah, automatically great. think Christmas, which is fucked up. I mean, it makes sense because that's the only time they appear in films <laughs> normally when someone's, you know... That's the only uh, time any children get to play is during Christmas. Exactly that. But yeah, I was I, I, I was a Christmas temp in a department store in the toy department. And so because of that, I had the inside track on the Furbies. I was able to get my younger sister, you know, because they would, they would come in and they would be gone right. by the early morning. But I was like, all right, I'm going to put one aside. Oh, because they, they sold. I thought, I thought you meant they'd, they'd get up and leave. <laughs> they the, would, yeah. The, the sentient... yeah, you can't contain them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I mean, they did find out how that worked when they chopped all their arms off to study them. <laughs> yeah, they were just... They're still studying the Furby. and Yeah. yeah. They were artificially stimulating them with electronic pulses just to see what they would do. Yep, yep. We're, we've almost grown a kidney in one. <laughs> huh. Furby yeah, human Furby hybrids have to be killed at four weeks. <laughs> well, they go feral at eight years. You have yeah, to... it's like chimps, right? Right, they'll tear off your genitals. Yeah, and... yeah. yeah, you have to. They have to go to a Furby farm, um, <laughs> yeah. even even if they've been in movies. Yeah, they'll tear off your face. <laughs> huh. Yeah, who was that one Furby who was in every movie in the nineties? It was the same Furby, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the same Furby. Uh, he was the Furby and the bear. Yeah. So this, I mean, so this is new info about. I, I guess before I. Um, got extremely insecure about my um, lack of vocabulary I uh, and that's and that's on me everybody that's on me vocabulary five syllables Jesse you did it oh fuck <laughs> yeah 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 okay never mind never mind we're back we're back don't, don't draw attention to it he's gonna doze off yeah, yeah. we're back just, oh no nah, I'm getting tired like the, car- the second the cartoon sleep. character goes off off the cliff I'm <laughs> he, getting he's tired fine until he looks down <laughs> no I, I was uh I was just it's it's interesting when some new info has come out but the info is something that you already thought was the case. I probably explained that poorly, but 
so finding out that jellyfish can learn and avoid obstacles uh, based on prior experience with those obstacles, to me, uh, it's like finding out when Nancy Reagan died. Yeah, like that I thought, you were I, like, oh, these jellyfish give great blowjobs, right? <laughs> yeah, goat. yeah, throat yeah, goat, yeah, throat yeah. goat. And then throat you have to, goats of the ocean is yeah. what they're called. That's, uh-huh. they call that's right. That's I think I just right. found a title for this episode, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, I thought she had been dead for 10 years. So it's like you, you like, react to the news, but you're not really reacting because yep. you already thought it was that way. Mm. But yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, they don't have a central nervous system. Somewhere scientists are being like, well, fuck me then. (laughs) (laughs) Guess what I do? I guess I'll just go fuck myself. Most of the emails we get are that. Yeah. 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 You know, you know which other scientists will be pissed off at us? Who's that? If if he was still around, Isaac Newton. According to this article that was sent in by friend of the show, Andy Wood. Yeah. I'm a big fan of pedantry. Are you guys? Sure. Of what? Uh, you know, just being a nitpicker, being like uh, uh, exact words. Oh, oh, pedantry. Yeah, I thought sure. I thought you said a uh, pet intrigue. Oh, okay. I thought we were doing like a like a Paw Patrol story <laughs> or something. I was, yeah. or like when a dog cocks its head. You know what I mean? Like pet intrigue. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Very much. Yeah. Or Tim Allen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, according to this article, would you, do you want do you want to take point at it as the person who sent it in? Well, let me know you've, if my, you've been if my voice Newton apparently. If my voice turns robotic, stop me because my internet is not the best right now. But uh, yeah, I was excited because I saw this um, on Science Alert that we've been misreading a major law of physics for the past three hundred years, and I saw in the brief description Newton, and I was like, oh, they're gonna finally not finally, but like it's gonna be third. It's gonna be the third law, which is not actions have equal and opposite reactions, but forces come in pairs but that's not what they did so this one is about the first law of motion a very nitpicky point which i still appreciate so uh when isaac newton inscribed on the parchment his now famed laws of motion in 1687 he could have only hoped to be discussing them three centuries later writing in latin newton outlined three universal principles describing how the motion of objects is governed in our universe which have been translated transcribed discussed and debated at length that's that enough enough mm-hmm. synonyms there i think uh, but according to a philosopher of language and mathematics, we might have been interpreting Newton's precise wording of his first law of motion slightly wrong all along. Virginia Tech philosopher Daniel Hoke wanted to set the record straight after discovering what he describes as a clumsy mistranslation in the original 1729 English translation of Newton's Latin Principia. And I think it is a hard, like, hard C it is. sound, the, right? The, yeah, that is the correct pronunciation. Uh, based on this translation, countless academics and teachers have since interpreted Newton's first law of inertia to mean an object will continue moving in a straight line or remain at rest unless an outside force intervenes. It's a description that works well until you appreciate external forces are constantly at work, something Newton would have surely considered in his wording. Revisiting the archives, Hoke realized this common paraphrasing featured a misinterpretation that flew under the radar until 1999 when two scholars picked up the translation of one Latin word that had been overlooked, quatinus, which means insofar, not unless. This is so nitpicky, I love it. To Hoke, this, this makes all the difference. Rather than describing how an object maintains its momentum if no forces are impressed on it, Hoke says the new reading shows Newton meant that every change in a body's momentum, every jolt, dip, swerve, and spurt, is due to external forces. By putting that one forgotten word in so far back in place, those scholars restored one of the fundamental principles of physics to its original splendor, Hoke writes. Uh, however, that all-important correction was never caught up. 
uh, never caught on. Even now, it might struggle to gain traction against the weight of centuries of repetition. Some find my reading too wild and unconventional to take seriously. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, Hulk. Okay, Hulk. Do you think those people who discovered the in so far in Latin, how much how much pussy do you think they're getting right now off right. of this? I don't know the Latin word for pussy, but they are getting um, s- summa. <laughs> summa. <laughs> summa cum pussy. Yeah. 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 I mean, insofar as it is acting on them. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'd, ah. right, right, right. I'd say at least V times a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say they've only got it insofar. Ah. So yeah, the whole point of the first law is to infer the existence of of the force. George Smith, a philosopher at Tufts University and expert in Newton's writings, said in Scientific American, um, let's see, so uh, he gave an illustration of this first law, the most insightful one, according to Hoke, being a spinning top that, as we know, slows in a tightening spiral due to the friction of the air. By giving this example, Hoke writes, Newton explicitly shows us how the first law, as he understands it, applies to accelerating bodies, which are subject to forces. That is, it applies to bodies in the real world. I mean, yeah, but also, like, unless, you know, he could also be doing a thought experiment, like if nothing were acting on it, then yes, it would not change its momentum. It would either be zero yep. or constant. But, but, yeah. but then also, that's it's kind of doesn't work as a thought experiment because one of the things he was the first to show is that there is no point in in the universe where there aren't forces acting on something like right. it, you know the furthest the furthest point in the universe will still have the gravity a minute gravitational pull from the rest of the universe yeah that's true there's nowhere you can go to get away from forces i've tried mm-hmm. yeah it's impossible no matter how much they've crossed you no oh how man much- you're upset by forces. You've got to. You you can't. You can't hey, run. You can't, this is like the you know, world's you know worst Rage Against the Machine song. You know, <laughs> you know what might cheer you up, buddy? This definitely not crack cocaine. <laughs> crack. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Come on, let's go to our house, guys. <laughs> yeah. By yep, the way, in, in the know, Ziploc like, bag on but... the outside of the treehouse, it says "No cops allowed." <laughs> yep, and the 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 Ziploc bag says not crack. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not crack. Yep. Yeah. By the yep. way, speaking of galactic forces and whatnot, I in three hours I'm going off to give my first uh, stargazing tour thing. Yeah. Oh, sick. Uh, you are, someone someone asked about that uh, an email. I thought you'd stop doing it, but I I well, remember one of our listeners messaged us about that to ask if you were doing it so the answer is yes well i dropped the ball on it in that i was training like a year ago and i was also getting constant writing work and i was like i don't want to do the last part of this which will involve a a lot more deep dive like you have to do a full two-hour presentation to the owners of the company and from what i hear it's like defending your dissertation so i mean not that bad but whatever it was going to take some effort and i was like i don't have time right now as soon as i don't have work i will and then by the time everything dried up as it has so horribly this year and i reached back out to them like oh we already hired someone else i'm like oh damn it uh so right now it's just a corporate gig where it's a two-hour window where i'm going to have two scopes set up and people are going to come over with their cocktails and you know one of the one of the telescopes they're both really cool one of them is a digital one that does effectively like long exposures like it overlays lots of images so you can see nebulae and um galaxies like and when it first gets going you don't see anything that you actually get the full color of like the dumbbell nebula so i'm only gonna be like pointing to like probably two or three things with that scope and then 
looking at planets with the optical one. But then as I'm like boning up on all this and like trying to get all these facts, I'm talking to one of the other employees and he was like, just be ready. Most of the questions are going to be like, have you seen aliens? And uh, what do you think of aliens? <laughs> and how much does this telescope cost? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> I can answer those things. <laughs> well... Have well, you? <laughs> oh, to, uh, five thousand and three thousand dollars, and uh, oh, they're going to say five thousand aliens. I was like, yeah, God damn. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I guess I'll talk about how I think it is, if not consensus, it's agreed by a lot of people in the field that the chances are very low that there is not and has never been any other life, given that now we pretty much know there's at least a one to one, if not more, ratio of planets to stars. So. Um, yep. That's not a sexy answer, but yeah, I don't think they've visited us. And that's think... what I come to astronomy for is yeah. sex. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> everybody's like all up in arms about like UAPs, which is the new word for UFOs. And it's like, yeah, just because something isn't identified, that's it's the biggest leap ever to go straight yeah. to alien spacecraft. Wait, people does, have been sending me videos, like people I genuinely respect. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what does UAP stand for? Oh, that's the new uh, unidentified aerial phenomena. This political like correctness has gone too far. I tell well, you. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, we should wrap up the main episode. So yeah. A bonus story for the Patreon patrons, but Pallavi, where can our listeners find you? I am at Pallavi Ganalan everywhere. That's P-A-L-L-A-V-I-G-U-N-A-L-A-N. I've been traveling and trying to do stand-up. I have a, a show in Chicago on November 8th at the Lincoln Lodge. Um, so cool. please come find me there. And I also run a monthly show at the Comedy Store uh, called Facial Recognition Comedy. We're usually the third Tuesday of the month, but in October, we are October 19th. And it's an all South Asian, Middle Eastern, North African show, and it's in the belly room, and it's very, very cool and fun. And it turns into like it's, a little party. Um, it's a bunch of very funny comics, including a couple have been on the show and of very funny poster that has photos of all of you and the words we are not the same person yeah scientists are... can't prove that yet but we're working on it <laughs> no those are great uh those are great posters <laughs> uh check check them out you can find us as always probably science.com is our website that's where we post all of the links to the stories we've covered and also our links to our patreon and paypal uh donation pages probably science at gmail.com is the email address for any questions comments clarifications stories you would like us to cover you can also find us on twitter at probably science individually at jesse case at andy t wood and at matt kirshen and Pallavi, thank you so much for joining us thank you listeners see you next time bye bye, bye. Thank you.